get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am your host, Jonathan Strickland. I am an executive producer at HowStuffWorks and love all things tech. And today we're going to bring you another classic episode of Tech Stuff. Years ago, my original co-host Chris Paulette and I sat down and we decided to have kind of an artificial debate about open systems versus closed systems. And in this episode, you're going to learn what that means, what is an open system versus a closed system, what are the arguments for each model, and why is it that you can't easily say one is automatically better than the other. It's all a matter of perspective. So let's listen to this classic episode. So today we're going to have a goofy little debate about open systems versus closed systems. Uh, we just decided that we're going to experiment with this. We've never done one of these before. And in fact, we decided on it about 30 seconds before we started recording. And so to determine who would represent which side, uh, we did the most scientific thing we could think of. We flipped a coin. It's a quarter, a United States quarter, for those of you who think that matters. Uh, and it turns out that... Which uh, mint did it come from? Um, you know what? I put it back in my pocket, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Mr. Chris rigged. Mr. Chris Follett will be representing the open system side, and I shall be representing the closed system side. So I think that proves it wasn't rigged. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the kind of phone I'm using. So anyway, uh, I think I think in order to really understand what we're talking about, first we have to establish what what we mean by a, an open versus a closed system. So let me tell you what a closed system is. Closed system is quality people. That's what a closed system is. <laughs> a closed system is where you create a, an infrastructure, uh, uh, an, an ecosystem, if you will, where you control as many of the factors as you possibly can, and you don't allow outside influences to change your system. So an example of a company that takes the closed system approach is Apple. Now, that's not to say that Apple only does the closed-off approach. If it did, then you would never be able to run any other kind of software or app on Apple products. You would only be able to run Apple-created stuff. But it's an example of a system because it's more closed than it is open. And there are various reasons for doing this, but we'll get into that in the debate. Uh, but that that's kind of what uh, uh, how I define a closed system. It's one where you're trying to control as much as possible, and it's all coming from, or as much of it as possible, is coming from a single source. And the outside stuff is shut away. Yes, and, and I think as we talk about this, our listeners will realize that there are few absolutes in this discussion. Very true. Okay, so open source. Yeah. Information wants to be free, mm. and the our, our computing devices should too. It's the only way to be, uh, you know, free to be, you and me. Right. Um, okay, you hippie. <laughs> no, an open system is is something that is not made for corporate gain. It is out there for the public to use. Anybody who wants to make a contribution to it can. People can use it uh, if they want to, and there is, it's it's there as offered as a public service. Um, it is there for the people, of the people, by the people. And you closed system punks should leave us alone because this is the way it really should be. And trying to make a buck off that is wrong. Yeah, so if you think of it, uh, an open system is sort of democratic in that 
anyone can really contribute to it and mm-hmm. uh, and change it. And also, we should point out before we really get into this debate yep. uh, that it is possible to have a a uh, a product, a product that's for sale, either that's an open system or a closed system. Open and closed does not mean that one is free and one is is, is you charge for. Yeah, I was I, I I did. Yeah, that's a good point. I I should have pointed out that's sort of the quote unquote ideal. Yeah, version, no. when, when a lot of people talk about open source. Right, right. If you're going the ultimate open source, like the, the utopian version of open yeah, source. I was speaking talking, that way. You, there you go. I should no, have that, clarified that's cool. that. That's, that's cool. Point. That's cool. Yeah, because there, there really is a spectrum here, but we're going to try and be like hardcore. So uh, now let me explain why I think that closed systems are superior to open systems. Okay. So with a closed system... And uh, with, with, <laughs> with, with everything coming from a single source. So in this case, let's say it's a company. A company is creating a product that is closed off. No other outside influence can, can come into this product. It means that there's an, uh, expectation of quality control that you don't have with open systems. You actually can test everything, make sure everything works properly on the hardware. So if we're talking about a computer, we know that the software will work on the computer because the software and hardware have been developed together from the v- ground up. It means that, uh, you don't have to worry about some weird incompatibility issue when you try and install a, a program onto this device because again, everything is coming from the same source and was made to work together. Now, this can go beyond just a computer. Let's say that you have a computer and a smartphone and a tablet, and they're all part of the same closed system. It means that you can expect a, a fairly uniform experience across these three platforms and maybe even be able to port your experience from one to the other. And what I mean by that is, let's say I'm watching a movie on my smartphone, and then I decide, you know what, I really want to look at this on a bigger screen, and I tap it over to my tablet, and the tablet starts playing the movie exactly where I left off, and it all works seamlessly because it's all running on the same platform that's meant to work together. That is one of the big benefits of a closed system is that you have a uniformity in the experience and an expectation of things are just going to work because it was all built together and meant to work together. Why are you taking away my choice? (laughs) If I want to have a different video card than the one you stuck in my computer, I want to be able to remove it and stick a different one in there. You know what? And it's, and it's frustrating because anytime I want to change a component on my computer or I want something a little different, uh, you know, I have to deal with all the complications that your closed off, uh, system is, is taking away. And the problem is that, uh, you're also restricting competition because in your closed system, there's only one way to go for a tablet and there's one way to go for an MP3 player and there's one way to go for a smartphone. There's one way to go for a computer. And, and I want, I want choice. I want to be able to customize my, my computing experience. I want to be able to buy something cheaper because competition is driving down the cost of these products. So I could go to your store and buy the one computer you've got, or I could go to this store over here and buy 50 different computers, and all of them are cheaper than yours, and some of them even outperform yours. Well, So what do you say to that? I, here's what I say to that. Sure, it might be cheaper. And even if you have a device, a particular individual device that performs better than one of my particular individual devices, if you are trying to have an experience that spans multiple devices, then you're going to start encountering things where uh, the compatibility issues come into play and you may have um, uh, 
things like uh, software crashes because it's not designed to work together seamlessly like a closed system is. So you might spend less money initially when you first purchase your vast array of choice here and you've got le- you know you, you, your ultimate price tag is lower than you would if you had bought everything from my superior closed system store. But the amount of frustration you're going to have as that experience is unsatisfactory because the various pieces are not playing together properly is far going to outweigh the minuscule additional investment you would have to make if you had purchased it all from me in the first place. And yeah, your one individual device might behave better or perform better than my one individual device, but collectively the experience is much more satisfying on my end than it is on yours because it's yours is piecemeal. And also, my system is designed to just work. Your system is designed to make me have to have a computer science degree if I want to figure out how to do the same thing on one device as I'm doing on another device. Ha. Superior, you say? Yes. I don't think that word means what you think it is. <laughs> well, here, let me put it to you another way. Let's, let's, let's take a look at the way a closed system versus an open system attacks the problem of malware. Because they have very different approaches, right? Yeah. So if we're talking about the perfect closed system, ideally there's no malware because nothing from outside is being introduced into the the system unless there's some, you know, disgruntled employee that I've bullied out of out of uh, their sanity. We don't have to worry about malware entering into the closed system because everything is made by this one entity and it's all made to work together. So you don't have to worry about some sort of virus perpetuating itself through your system. Uh, now, that's different from the way open systems attack malware. Well, see, the open systems, see, you could have other people, multiple people working on solutions to things like vulnerabilities in the operating system and people who are working on uh, anti-malware software for your system. So the thing is, that's a small price to pay for the ability to hack into the system and change whatever you want to change about the system. If you want to uh, get into the operating system and see what makes it tick and learn more about uh, what what uh, programs and what functions are going on in the background. For example, you could be monitoring everything I do, but if in your closed system I can't get into the background to see that, then you know you could be doing this all without my knowledge. Um, so with an open system, I can, I'm free to install any software I want to or remove any software I want to from my device, and uh, I could even write my own because you know it's open. And uh, it, it gives me the opportunity to, to uh, hack in and play with it and make it my own instead of make it what your vision is. Because what if your closed vision, your closed off, walled off little garden isn't what I think of as being the best experience for me? Because, hey, everybody's an individual, right? Well, first of all, we know what you want even when you don't. <laughs> See, that's the thing is we know what you want. You you don't know what you want, but we know what you want. You think you know what you want, but until you've actually bought into our our closed system, you really haven't haven't experienced it. And the reason for that, we're going to go back into the quality issue. Let's talk about uh, the quality of, and we're talking about 
computing systems here. Let's talk about the, the quality of the programs that you're running on your system. Uh, again, with the closed system approach, those programs have been built for a very specific set of hardware, which does not change from what, you know, the, if I buy my computer from this closed system and someone else buys their computer from the same closed system, those two computers are going to be identical in every meaningful way. So we know that the software is going to work equally well on my system as it is on their system. Whereas if we both just go into a computer store and we each just buy a computer from various you know, manufacturers, there's no guarantee that the same kind of software is going to work just as well on my machine as it is on their machine, even if the two machines are running the same operating system. Because we have difficulties introduced by things like device drivers and hardware differences. With the closed system, you've eliminated that. You don't have to worry about that so much. So that means that the quality of the experience of the software, put aside the quality of the software itself, but the experience of using it is going to be less frustrating. Uh, the, you know, you might say that there's a downside with the whole choice factor, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about it crashing all the time or just not behaving the proper way. I mean, sure, sometimes things happen, but on a much less frequent basis than on these these little open systems out there that that just will I don't know they 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 they, they just they just are like anything goes. Guys, we have more to say about open versus closed systems in just a second, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. With open source software, you have the poten- a limitless potential of applications that could be run for it. The, the more open you become, the, the greater the possibilities. Um, you know, so you, you can have your closed system and have things that run specifically on that hardware, but, you know, programmers like their choices too, and they're going to go where, where the wealth of software is. And that's going to attract more users and vice versa and vice versa and uh, something. I disagree with that because users, most users, don't want to be curators. And if you are a user of an open system, you have to be a curator because there's so much that you're talking about, so much variety and so much choice that it's overwhelming to the average user. You sit down and you see like there's a, it's, it's like walking into a library and you have no idea what book you want to read. You just know you want to read a book and you walk into an enormous library and you have no idea where to go. It's too confusing. Whereas in a closed system, it's been curated for you. Your choices are limited, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about going through 8,000 different word processing programs in order to find one that suits your needs. There's really only one choice, and if it suits your needs, that's awesome. Jonathan, you ignorance. <laughs> oh, Saturday Night Life. <laughs> I bet you they cut that. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, well, see, there's one thing that, that you're leaving out here, the market. Because what happens here is the market helps people whittle down their choices. When you have something, the, the word processor of choice, the one that, that more people are using, then people understand it's the bestseller phenomenon. Uh, it's like you, you look at the bestseller lists and you, and you say, you know what? These books are very popular. I bet you anything that if I, if I read it, I'm 
You know, I, I will at least look at these first because I know lots of people like them. And that helps people make choices as far as software is concerned. And, you know, there's always a new programmer coming online to develop new software. And you can always uh, help be the kingmaker for the next generation of software, too. But not in the closed system where, you know, your choices are somewhat limited. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a best-selling open-source software example, and it's really hard. Well, you know, in a lot of cases, open-source software can be free or donationware. In a donationware world, people pay what they what it's worth to them. And sure, some people are going to pay a quarter, and there are also people who pay $100 for the same piece of software because it means more to them, and it's important to them to donate to the community. I mean, you know... Notch found that out. How did how did Minecraft just you know it's it's a thing? Yeah, but I still think that the closed system is the way to go. It's a sustainable business model. It means that you uh, once you develop your 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 line of devotees, you're good to go. I mean, because you you've created that expectation of that quality of experience that you deliver upon consistently, and by doing that, uh, you know that you know as long as you maintain that level of quality, that you will have a customer base moving forward. Whereas with this open source approach, I don't see how you're going to be, you know, really making a sustainable business out of that. And while the ideals are wonderful and fantastic and, 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 and happy and all that mess, um, I just don't see it, you know, perpetuating itself after a certain amount. You know, eventually a guy's got to eat. <laughs> well, and, and that's why I think, uh, that's why I think Openness is sort of a bell curve. Yeah. Because the one end you have the clo- the, the completely closed off system. Right. With fewer, fewer users. Which, you know, we should point out again, there's not really that many, I can't think of any company that would be, that I could point to that say absolutely is this. Like even the systems that we think of as closed, like Apple and Nintendo, aren't really that closed. Yeah. Otherwise, no third-party developer would ever be able to create anything for their platforms. Right, right. And then uh, at the other side, um, I'm trying to think of somebody who is really completely open as far as open source. But Linux, people think of Linux, Linux and Unix. That's about as close as you can get. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, as Jonathan pointed out earlier, um, Linux is free. And it's, you know, the source is open, which is in the, the guts of the operating system are open for people to use. And there are distributions of Linux that are completely free for people to use. Mm-hmm. And there are others that uh, there is a purchase price because it is tailored to specific needs and usually has some support, level of support built into that. So if you buy the software, then you can expect to have someone to call if you've got a problem. Yeah, sometimes it's not the software itself that's that's got the price tag. It's the support. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, for example, Ubuntu is that way. You can yeah. you can get a free version of Ubuntu and install it on your computer. By the way, the debate part of this podcast is over. In case you hadn't realized, yeah. it. we're now getting into the more informational side. Um, yeah, the the and I think that went rather well. The um, <laughs> but Ubuntu, uh, you you can get that for free and install that on a machine for free. Uh, but if you want to have professional level support, then you can pay a certain amount of money, and then you will have access to um, support staff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which could be anything from. 
uh, my computer isn't behaving properly. What is the what is the source of this problem? How do I fix it? To uh, I'm running a, an actual a, a closed network of, of machines in this one business, and I need to know how to set this up so that everything's secure. That kind of I mean, it's it's all levels of support. Yeah. Uh, and and you know there are definitely arguments both for and against the closed and open systems, as we were demonstrating earlier. And it's not that one system is inherently better or worse than the other. They're just different philosophies on how to provide um, goods and services. Yeah, really, the arguments we were making, I think, um, you know, there were good arguments on both sides. I think it works better. (laughs) There are arguments I've heard sort of like the ones, the uh, the debate we just had that were far more heated than that. I think when you're actually thinking about both sides and not taking a side, it it kind of works better because really there are some benefits. With uh, with closed, you do have things that just work. Um, but with open, you do have a lot more choice and the ability to tinker more with it. And it sort yeah. of really, I think, depends on what you're looking for. So, uh, Which is why so many people use Windows because it's sort of a... a an open-closed system. Yeah, Windows is Windows is sort of the middle ground. Uh, it's It's... It leans closed. Yeah, it leans closed, but it has a lot of flexibility for people to build applications that run on Windows. So in that that sense, it's open in the in, in the way that you know, again, third party developers create the the vast majority of software that runs on Windows based PCs. Mm-hmm. You know, very a small percentage of the software that runs on Windows based PCs comes from Microsoft. I mean, there there's there are very important applications that are on a typical Windows based PC that are from Microsoft. But you know, if you're like if you're going to some video gamer's house and you're looking at his rig, mm-hmm. then or her rig, I should say, because you know, there's yeah. I, I've met some elite female video gamers who could wipe the floor with me in any game I chose, which is very. Uh, They're staring at you now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, I'll probably end up seeing some of them at CES, uh, and they'll. Again, I, I won't challenge them. I already know how it would work, turn out. Anyway, so yes. you, but you go and you look at the software on that person's uh, uh, computer, and you're going to see that there's a ton of stuff on there that never came out of Microsoft. Uh, and same, the same sort of thing applies to Apple. It's not there's not as much software as far as just you know sheer numbers as you would find for a Windows-based PC. But you know, even Apple, which we think of as a really like a, a walled garden or a closed system depends heavily on third-party developers. If it didn't, the App Store for the iPhone and iPad and, and iPod Touch would be empty. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be very few apps that you could run because Apple only provides a few. Um, but, you know, they def- they they lean very heavily on third-party developers. Now, at the same time, third-party developers have to go through a very rigorous uh, uh, routine in order to submit a, an app and have it featured in the App Store. Mm-hmm. And of course, if it's not in the App Store, technically you can't load it on an Apple device unless you've gone through the process of jailbreaking it. Mm-hmm. But using it unaltered, an unaltered uh, Apple device, you can only load things that are through the the Apple's official App Store. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's closed off because if it's not approved, then it doesn't go on. Same thing with Nintendo. You know, they would certify their, the games that would go on their systems, and if it didn't get Nintendo certification, it didn't it didn't get made. Uh-huh. It didn't uh, become available on the Nintendo. So uh, that's a, a closed way of looking at. It. And again, that goes to that sort of quality control argument, where the uh, the the closed the the company perpetuating this closed system could argue that this means that we only have uh, 
applications of a certain quality that we know are going to run properly on our hardware. They're not going to cause any problems with anything else running on our hardware. And they're going to deliver a, an experience that we, you know, it, it reaches a certain level that we have come to expect with our, our products. Um, whereas if you go with an open system, it's more like we want anyone to be able to potentially run anything on this system that's been designed for it. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to limit that at all. We don't want to put our biases against certain kinds of applications or certain ways of creating stuff in play. We want it to be an open playground for everybody. We have a little bit more to say about this whole concept of how do you present your systems? Do you go with the open model or the closed model? But before we jump into that last bit, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsor. Well, uh, you know, for, for Windows, you can argue, you can make the hardware argument. Well, I can go and build my own system from the components that I can get in my, my corner electronics store, and I can make my own system and install Windows on it, and it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, of course, chances are that the there are drivers for the video card, and there are drivers for all the devices that you're going to do that because you're running Windows on it. And, and, um, we, and you would also have to take considerations like... Uh, uh, which kind of motherboard are you using? Because only uh-huh. certain motherboards will support certain processors, but not other processors. So, yeah, you've got limitations on, on you know, it's not like even building a PC from scratch is not totally open because some components are going to limit which other components you can actually put into your machine. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. other words, not everything is compatible with everything else. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, for, for people who are interested in dabbling with Linux, that can be frustrating because um, the drivers come around. Some some component manufacturers will write a driver for Linux for their card or, or, or device, but not all of them will. And so it relies on the community to put one in there. Right. And for people who go, you know what, I really want to try Ubuntu or, you know, Linux Mint or, you know, any of the others. And I want to try this out. So they put it, the disk in there, they reboot their machines, and they'll find out that parts of their system don't quite work. Yeah, maybe the sound the card isn't to. working. Yeah, and the more and obs- the it more can be frustrating for people who are just playing around with yeah, it. Yeah, the more obscure the uh, elements are inside your machine, the less likely you're going to find mm-hmm. support just off the b- top of the bat. I mean, if it's something that's a really popular component, then you can. It's a pretty safe bet that someone out there has created a driver for it for an open source operating system. But just because you know, law of averages, you've got a lot of people who are using the same kind of hardware. Uh, then there's a good chance someone has designed something so that that hardware will work properly with an open source uh, operating system. But if you've got you know some cheap sound card that you found that is you know, made by someone that hardly anyone knows about, it may not have the support there uh, in an open source operating system. But well, then you know the same thing's true with if you if you upgrade a a Windows based PC mm-hmm. and you go to a the newest form sure. of Windows. Uh, often you will find that one of the big problems is that you'll lose um, support for certain kinds of peripherals. Uh, the drivers will not update or they aren't compatible with the new operating system. And sometimes it gets patched or sometimes the um, the device manufacturers will release a new driver that works specifically with that new operating system. But you can get stuck that way too. So it's not like it's only with open source. In fact, uh, that was one of the big problems that people were reporting with Mac OS X Lion mm-hmm. was that, you know, if you upgraded that, which is a closed system, you know, you're talking about a, a known quantity with Apple hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you upgraded, there were certain peripherals that 
they you know, they didn't have driver support anymore, and you know, or certain software that had no no longer had support, and it was software that was designed to run on the Mac operating system, and yet could not run this newest version of of uh, the OS. Uh, so it's not like it's a problem that's unique to open source. It can also happen in a closed system. Um, you know, the people who create closed systems would probably argue it happens less frequently, or that you might not have to wait as long. But uh, that's you know, kind of splitting hairs. Yeah, that's um, that's another thing too for for operating systems that are uh, designed by the community. Um, there's, you know, it, it may be difficult to find a particular driver or piece of software simply because somebody may not necessarily be working on it. Uh, depending on if there are vulnerabilities in the operating system, uh, generally something like that is going to draw the attention of the community and, and will be fixed more quickly. Uh, Apple gets criticized from time to time when they find vulnerabilities in the operating system that could open the machine up to uh, uh, the possible attack. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for not acting on it as quickly as Microsoft does with its patches, um, you know, so there's there's a trade-off there. Um, but uh, there is, I think, there is some benefit in a way of being that more hybrid system because, um, you know, that attracts the most users. I, I want some flexibility, but I want most I, mostly I want it to work. Um, so you get that sort of combo. Uh, system and, I, and that's really sort of what Android is, really, when you get down to it, because yeah. Android works on uh, a multitude of different phones, whereas iOS, uh, Apple's iOS system works on Apple branded phones and those only, um, and some of the others do too. The uh, the Web OS worked on the on the Palm phones. Um, you know, those are those are closed systems. Um, Windows works on a, on a variety of different phones, but the problem is for developers, and they find this with a variety of systems too. That uh, um, a closed system is an easier target for them to hit. Um, one of the complaints I've heard from Android developers is that uh, they have difficulty writing software that will work with all the different versions of the operating system that are out there, and all all these different phones with all these different hardware uh, components. Hardware components. Yeah, the so thing being a part of the problem being the carriers because they're not the ones not pushing out the operating system updates for the different phones. So right. Some of the older updates are just lingering on. I'm not looking at you, people <laughs> who won't update my phone months yeah. after Jonathan's gotten his. Anyway, um, anyhow, yes, I'm beating the desk of my hand because I'm angry at them. But, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a problem for developers. A closed system, hey, you know, you have a, a, a specific range of components. You know what kind of processor in general is going to be in there. You have a pretty good idea what the operating system entails. You know, it's, it's an easy target to hit, but the problem with in, in the Mac case is fewer people are using it. So right. it's less of a, it's a less desirable target to hit because there are fewer dollars to be made by writing software for it. Getting back There's to a the trade-off. Getting back to the idea of the the closed versus open and and operating system updates. Uh yeah, so let's let's go ahead and we'll talk about Apple versus Google because that's that's pretty easy. And even then, again, Apple is not totally a closed system, and Google right. Google is certainly not a, totally, totally an open, open system. Yeah. But it's a different approach, right? Like you were saying, uh, the iOS is only going to appear on iPhones. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find that on other hardware. Nope. Um, it's because the iPhone was designed to do it. That, that's the way Apple wants it done. It's and that's how it's intended. So and we're sticking with phones here. Yeah, sticking with phones because that makes it it's, it makes Don't an easy in. illustration. Makes Talking it easy. 
illustration. <laughs> uh, so then on the Android side, Android can theoretically be added to, like a manufacturer can choose to partner with Google and create an Android phone. It's free. It's, the operating system is free yeah, for them. They can, they can just build, all they have to do is build hardware that is capable of supporting Android, and then they, they are allowed to have Android as the operating system for that smartphone. So two different approaches. Um, now with Apple, when there is an OS update for iOS, Apple can push that out to all the different devices that can still support that iOS, but there's still going to be some that get left behind eventually. Yes. Just because the, the physical limitations of the hardware will be reached. You, you won't be able to go beyond those. So if you have a first-generation iPhone, it's only going to run iOS up to a certain point, and after that, you're never going to get an update again because you've reached the capacity of what that hardware is capable of achieving without having a completely unsatisfying uh, experience using that iPhone. Well, they, they, they could just never make a newer one, except then everyone would have what they were going to buy and there wouldn't be any reason for them to upgrade. So anyway... Uh, if, <clears throat> not that I'm being that cynical. But yeah, but but if you have a, a fairly recent, like usually it's within the, fir- the, the last three generations. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. latest one, the one right before that, and maybe the one before that, you typically are able to get the latest uh, um, software upgrade. Uh, you might eventually get left behind. Like the 3GS is probably getting pretty close to its upper limits right I'd now. I'd imagine. Uh, but, uh, you know, meanwhile, when you go over to the Android side, you have all these different carriers and they're all having, they all have handsets with different capabilities. And, uh, you know, th- some of those handsets might be able to run the latest version of Android and some of them might not. You know, or if they were to run the latest version of Android, the handset might get really hot and the battery might drain really quickly. So you would have a very uh, unhappy experience using it. Even if you had the latest version, you're like, well, I've got the latest version, but my phone lasts for two hours, then it's dead. And at the whole time, it feels like it's going to set my pants on fire. Um, Make all the excuses you want. They still haven't pushed it out to my phone. Okay, well, for some people like Chris, setting your pants on fire apparently is a feature, not a bug. Um, but yeah. Well, it kills the bugs. That's the feature. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, we've all learned something new about Chris today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, that, is, that is one of the downsides. Now, yeah. again, like Chris was saying, you've got a lot more choice with the open system. So if you want a phone that uh, that has a certain processor in it or has a certain kind of camera in it, you got a lot more choice than you would if you are on the other side, the closed system. You've got, you know, with the closed system, you essentially have the latest version of it and usually the one directly before it and maybe the one before that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you have all the people that have adopted and, and Android numbers that we've, that have been coming out, uh, as of about the time that we're recording this in very, very late 2011. Yeah. Um, Android numbers are taking off. I yeah. mean, they're far outstripping Apple's uh, iPhone uh, new customers, even as fast as the iPhone sales. And I think so, part, there, there are two big reasons for that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say is that, uh, well, go ahead. Well, the two big reasons I see is, one, yeah. there's way more choice. Yeah. Right? So you've got, like, all these different options. And, two, there are a lot more lower cost options out there. Like with the iPhone, you've got, you know, you've got the latest version, which is going to be pretty expensive, and then the older version, which is slightly less expensive, but you're not going to find any, like, bargain bin type stuff. You're not going to come across, I I don't know of anyone who's ever offered, like, a free iPhone with a two-year contract, but there have been Android phones that have hit that. The older ones, yeah. Yeah. Um Actually, low cost, I guess, maybe not free. Right. Um, well, that, the thing is that uh, now that, that Android is becoming the big target for developers in its class, 
Um, I, you know, there are all kinds of apps that are out there and available for it. Um, there are also all kinds of app stores that yeah. you can use. To yeah, you don't have to apps. go through just the Google Marketplace if you don't want to. Although you do have to change a setting on your phone in order to be able to access them. That that's correct. Um, the thing is, though, it, the the bigger the target, the more people, the developers of all kinds, including malware developers, it attracts that. Um, not you know this has nothing to do with the quality of the operating system or the security measures inherent in the operating system. It's just a bigger target, and therefore it's a a, uh, a juicier place to strike for the, right. the person and, and even the legit people too. I mean, hey, I can I can sell my app in this app store and reach five hundred thousand people. I can sell my app in this app store and reach five million people. Yeah, clearly wow. the five million. You know, I can sell more far more over here. Yeah, the thing is though. And also, uh, and then I would argue that this is the case for any tech that has reached that kind of uh, uh, adoption rate, that um, it also inspires a lot of junk. I mean, we saw it with Atari, yes. the, the Atari 2600, when uh, Atari opened up the platform and allowed other people to write software for it. They were all kind of, that's what caused the video game crash. Which is where I was getting into the whole curation argument in the debate. Uh, if you are using an open system, then you're going to have a lot more choice with when it comes to not just you know options but but apps that you can run, yeah. But that also means that with the good comes a lot of bad. Not that the closed systems necessarily you know it's not that Apple is free of bad apps. There are plenty of bad apps in the Apple App Store. Okay, so yeah. I don't mean to say that, but no, no. But because that there's not necessarily a, like there's no qualifier to create an app. Yeah. For Google, you can submit it to the Google Marketplace, or you can even host it somewhere else if you want to, and not even go through the the process of submitting it to Google Market, and people can still find it and download it to their sure, phones sure. Or, or tablets, you know, mobile devices. Um, but yeah, the, that curation becomes a problem because then, you've, if you've got that much choice and there's no like there's no one out there who's kind of curating this for you, it all falls on your shoulders, and uh, that can just get exhausting. I mean, I mean. Looking through just the list of applications, uh, just, you know, going page by page, you you sit there and think, well, I could look at the ones that are the most popular and and use that as kind of a guide of curation. Mm -hmm. But it may very well be that the app that really meets my needs is eight pages down. Yeah. And, you know, that gets kind of frustrating after a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 funny too because one of the things that uh, some people have said against Linux. I mean, I've I've used uh, a couple different flavors of Linux. I really like the operating system. Mm-hmm. I I, um, I don't like that there are fewer people writing software for it, but I still I I love the idea and I like the operating system an awful lot. Um, and the more I play with it, the more I've enjoyed using it. Uh, but the thing is, some people have said that the fact that it's free is a problem. Because it sort of encourages people to think that it's not actually worth anything, right. that it should have money charged right. it for gives, it. Gives a, it gives some people the feeling that, well, if it's free, it must not be very good. It because, must not be worth anything. Yeah, because you know, if it were what? good, I'd have to pay money for it. Yeah, which is untrue. Which is funny, because if you had to pay money for it, people would be trying to find a way around having to pay money for it. Okay, Here, now you're you're making my brain hurt. Here's the crazy thing. Okay, stereotypical computer user. Stereotypical Internet-savvy computer user. All right, if something doesn't cost money, then it's not worth having. If it's if something costs money, it's worth having, but you shouldn't pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. are a messed up person, typical computer user. You need to re-examine your priorities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... And by the way, I was once like you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, ideally to me anyway, and I think it does come down to personal choice. Yeah. I think ideally, um, 
I, I, I do prefer a hybrid. I do want to, I, I do don't too. want to have to. I like the idea of being able to hack into things and being able to make choices and uh, fool around with stuff. But I want it at the end. I want it to be able to work. Yeah. I don't want to spend all my time hacking with it. I was like, okay, I'm done now. I want to close the hood and play on it. And I can't because I broke it. And we both own <laughs> devices that run Android, and we both own devices that run Apple operating systems. Yep. So and we both own Windows computers. Yeah. So I mean, so. it's it's not like uh, it's not like we're saying this as fanboys of one system versus another, even though we played that in the debate. Um, I mean, I I own an Android phone. My wife has an iPhone, and we are both very happy with our devices for yep. very different reasons. It meets exactly what she wants in a smartphone. But for me, it would probably be, uh, it's a beautiful device and it has a great interface, but it probably would be more frustrating to me than my Android phone, which meets my needs. Whereas the Android phone, I know for a fact, would annoy and irritate my wife because she used to have one. (laughs) And she doesn't anymore and she never will again (laughs) because she's very happy with her iPhone. So, again, it's just two different uh, people and two different... Uh, preferences for the operating system. It's it's not that one is inherently better or worse than the other. It's just that it suits my you know one suits my needs and one suits hers. Yep, yep. It's it's it all comes down to the stuff that matters to the individual. Yeah. Um. And in the end, I think it, it's it, uh. It, most people sort of go for the mix of things. Uh, well, I want this part to just work, but the rest of it I want to be able to fool around with. And I think that's another one of the appeals of of Windows. It's right. Sort of that middle ground. Um. You know. Like we, like I said, we all own the various devices, uh, and we all see the value and and the limitations of each system. Um, okay. I think I think it really, you know, if if what, however you're going about it, if you're dedicated to making the best possible product or service that you that you possibly can, whether it's as a member of the community of the open source uh, world or if it's you know a, a closed system, I think that is what's most important. And to me, the the whole open versus closed is just a general philosophy that guides your your development process. It's not something that you know should definitely be you know uh, endorsed or 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 scorned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it, it frustrates me li- listening to people talk about it and seeing comments online from people who are so. Devoted to one side or the other, that they will scream yeah, the and, call, and call names and use profanity yeah, to defend that yeah. side. And going, but yeah, I mean, I see, I see arguments for both sides, and yeah. I think there are valid points for both. Yeah, sides. and it's, it, it is a dangerous thing because once you get, once you become a fan of a certain way of doing things, then uh, it almost feels like if someone else praises a different way of doing it, that it's somehow an insult, personal to attack. The, yeah, it's an attack against what you like, sure. which isn't necessarily the case. And right. it's not really fair. Yeah, no, it's definitely not fair. But it does happen all the time. I see it all the time where someone will praise one system and someone else takes that as, hey, you're saying that the system I like sucks. And like, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> I just said that this system was also good. I didn't even mention your system. Please don't yell at me. <laughs> trolls. <laughs> so uh, if you want to know more about that, listen to our podcast on how trolls work. <laughs> He's Jonathan Strickland and the operating system you, you like stinks. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, that that's a good summary. Uh, this was fun. Well, guys, that wraps up that classic episode. It sure was nice hearing Chris's voice again, wasn't it? If you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, whether it's a technology, a company, maybe there's a person I should cover, let me know. Send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or you can drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle for both Facebook and Twitter is techstuffhsw. 
Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I'd love to see you on there, and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 